I'm Ruma Tenbrink, and welcome to the Children's Bedtime Stories podcast for adults. I am so excited to be reading to you my first book this evening. I really hope you enjoy this, and I hope it helps you fall asleep in a beautiful slumber and take you to a faraway land. Thank you so, so much for listening. World-renowned musician, environmentalist, and humanitarian Dave Matthews, in collaboration with popular children's book author Cleet Barrett-Smith, has conjured an exciting and poignant fantasy about a girl who must confront her past mistakes before she can save her peaceful forest community from a gigantic threat. I am honored to read to you, If We Were Giants, Little Voices Can Have a Huge Impact. Let joy begin as we read Part 2, The Tree Folk. Chapter 14 Kira woke to the sound of birdsong, the soft morning light revealing the forest home around her. Slowly coming back to consciousness in the fresh open air was one of her favorite parts of living here. Luan's hammock hung empty beside her. That was unusual. He liked to sleep late. But as Kira slowly reached above her head with both hands, working the sleep-sore kinks out of her back, she remembered that he was planning to ask his parents for something today. So, he was probably currying favor with them right now by getting an early start on his studies. The tree folk had no community school, no community services of any kind for that matter, so each family was in charge of teaching its own kids. Maham took this very seriously, drilling them on things like horticulture, the medicinal uses of plants, and food preservation every morning. The afternoons were spent farther afield, hunting and trapping and building and exploring. But when Kira finally pulled herself out of the sleep sling and climbed up through the trap door, Luan was all by himself in the hut, slurping leftover stew for breakfast. You're finally up. Good. I was just about to wake you. We have things to do. We do? Where are Loba and Maham? They both went to the swamp. Father needed mother's help today. Have you ever tried to carry a crocodile? Those things are heavy. So, no studies this morning? Really? Luan shrugged and tried to pull off an innocent expression. Well, if someone had left a note with parental instructions on it next to a window, I mean, who's to say that a breeze didn't come by and... Snatch that note right off the sill and send it sailing away into the forest, never to be seen again. Things like that happen all the time. The world is a cruel and windy place. Kira rolled her eyes. You're going to get us in trouble. Luan waved away her concerns. Nah, they'll be so tired when they get back that they will have forgotten all about it. He grabbed a long, thin pouch from a hook on the wall and looped it over his shoulders. Kira could hear something rattling around in there. Let's go. 
After shoveling in a few mouthfuls of stew, Kira followed Luan out of the hut and through several trees. He was working his way toward the ground, which was a little odd. Luan usually liked to stay as high up as possible. She could tell he was moving more slowly than normal, certainly slower than when he was with his friends. Luan was polite about letting Kira go at her own pace. He knew she was doing the best she could. When they were down to where only a few layers of branches separated them from the forest floor, he stopped. This looks perfect, Luan said. I tried to pick a spot where the trees were packed pretty closely together. That should make it easier. He looked down and took a deep breath. I hope. Kira looked around, wrinkling her brow. Aren't we getting closer to the river? She cocked her head to listen for the telltale sign of the current, even though it would be more sluggish now with the lack of rain. You're not trying to trick me into looking at that stupid raft, are you? No, I promise. I just wanted to show you something. Does this have anything to do with what you're planning to ask your parents today? It does. He sat down on a thick branch, took the pouch off his back, and set it on his lap. Check these out. He pulled out two short, slender poles. They had been rounded into smooth curves at one end and had a loop of leather attached near the base. Wait, are those? Yes. Tia helped me make them. Aren't they great? He proudly held up one in each hand and shook them back and forth triumphantly. Okay, so what are you going to do with them? What do you mean? Isn't it obvious? I've decided what I want to do with my life. I'm going to join a group of hook hunters. He noticed the expression on Kira's face. What's the matter? I don't know, Luan. It's just hook hunting is so risky. It's hard to imagine Loba being okay with this. Kira knew that bringing up his father's reaction was partly an excuse. She would be worried about Luan as well. That man has been telling me I have to find my purpose ever since I learned to walk. Well, I found it, and he's just going to have to be okay with it. Luan held her gaze, looking a little wounded. Parents react negatively to everything the first time they hear about it. I expected you to be happy for me, Kira. I'm sorry, she said with a sigh. Even though it made her uncomfortable, she had to admit it was the perfect job for Luan, and if he could get all his energy out during the day on the hunt, maybe he would be a little calmer around the hut in the evenings. If he made it back in the evening. She pushed that thought aside. Luan was going to do whatever Luan decided to do. And Kira could either choose to support him or not. She nodded at the hooks in his hand. So what's next? Do you have to practice with those things? She had no idea what was involved in joining a hook hunter group. I already have been. Here, watch this. Luan stood and wrapped the leather straps around his wrists. Then he leapt to a neighboring branch, looping the hook on an overhead limb, and pull-stepped his way to another and another. He started out a little shaky, tentative, but as he traced a wide circle around the spot where Kira remained sitting, moving from tree to tree to tree, she could tell he was becoming more confident. His speed was nowhere near that of the actual hook hunters, but it was clear he had potential. Luan was athletic and a natural daredevil. Now he needed to develop fluidity. He made a few more passes around her, gaining speed as he went. Aren't you supposed to be quieter? Kira called to him. 
I don't think hook hunters do all that gasping and giggling. Kind of scares away the prey. I can't help it, he called back. This is so much fun. He must have heeded her advice, though, because he wiped the grin off his face and became silent and more intent as he continued to hook jump to pull lunge his way through the air. Kira leaned back and rested against the trunk, settling in for the show. Luan would probably want to do this all morning. As he zoomed around and around, the motion became hypnotic, and Kira could feel herself being lulled almost to sleep. That is, until one of Luan's hooks either failed to gain purchase or he selected a bad branch. Either way, he lost his balance. Kira leaned forward and put her hands over her mouth as he crashed through the screen of branches, snapping and cracking them noisily until he ended up in a heap on the forest floor. At first, Kira was frozen to the spot. She had never seen Luan fall before, not once in all the years she had known him. It was scary and unsettling. And was there something else? A memory of another boy falling from a tree? She pushed that thought away almost before she knew it had surfaced. Kira could hardly breathe as she watched Luan lying there, silently willing him to move, to get up. Finally, Luan pushed himself into a sitting position, brushing leaves from his hair. He felt himself all over, head and ribs and legs, and seemed to determine that he was all right. Kira felt like she could breathe again. That's when she heard people calling to each other. Men, perhaps four or five different voices, deep, gruff tones. And she realized that she didn't understand the words. Luan tilted his head listening. He had clearly heard them as well. Kira, eyes wide, frantically motioned for him to get up and join her in the tree. He popped to his feet and dashed for the trunk, perhaps limping a bit. When he got there, he scrambled up the tree until he was sitting on the limb next to her. He started to whisper something, but Kira shook her head fiercely and placed a finger over her lips. The two watched the forest together, and tromping through the brush came a half-dozen men, burdened by their spoils. One man had a forest buck slung around his neck, its two front hooves clasped in his right hand and the hind hooves in his left. Its throat had been slit to drain the blood, and its head lolled to the side, eyes blank. Another man carried a length of rope in each hand, three fat guinea fowl dangling from both. Two other men supported a thick branch between them on their shoulders, the body of a leopard hanging from the middle. They stopped where Luan had fallen, pointing at the branches that had dropped to the ground, then looked up at the surrounding trees. Kira and Luan stayed very still, trusting their dull green and brown forest camouflage clothing to keep them hidden. They watched as the men spoke to each other in more of those words that Kira did not understand, but at the same time found horribly familiar. Kira could hardly think about their words or the forest animals they were holding. She had eyes only for their appearance, the skeletal arms attached to tall and powerful bodies leather-gray skin, each man with a shock of white hair, the clothes made from leather and some kind of hard, shiny material, and the slender, cruel weapons belted to their waists. The takers had come to the tree folk. Chapter 15 
Kira remembered everything, all of it, all at once. The volcano and little Tico and storytelling contests and all the villages she had visited and her parents, her real parents, and that horrible camp and fire and smoke and seeing those takers standing in the middle of her new home was the memory trap she could not avoid. It grabbed her in a searingly painful grip and shook all the memories out of their carefully stored boxes. And, oh, dear gods, how was her heart supposed to contain them all? How much more could she take before it burst? Burst.